I don't know about you, chef, but I've had to dodge a lot of shit in my day. And in this case, I mean literal shit, elk shit, dog shit, cat shit, horse shit, cow shit. I'm over it. <laughs> that rhyme was pretty funny. One thought comes to mind. I'm so glad. I have 10 perfect nails every day now. I'm so glad I don't step into any kind of fecal matter anymore. I'm so glad. I'm always laying around being grateful for how lazy I feel with my new job. Staying clean and not sweaty all day long and covered in some kind of poop on my shoe. I was remembering a few of the stories that had to do with that. One story, there's this little town called Oric, California. And it's right at the beginning of Redwood National Park. And a lot of people want the beautiful romantic wedding of getting married in the Redwoods or on the crashing coastline of the Pacific Northwest. It's really spectacular. You should check it out if you've never been. The only thing is this little town of Oric is it, the name says it all really ick ew ick it's just so bad there's it's just so bad and luckily it's small it's in the most beautiful place in the world but everything is falling apart everything is grotesque there's this tiny little old trailer park from maybe the 70s that's right along the highway there there's a convenience store one maybe two gas stations if you're lucky and then you're, bam, right into this amazing national park. And the national park rules are very strict. You cannot have um, a caterer on site. So I could meet them at the gate and hand them all the food, and then they'd have to figure out how to serve it and all that. So most people from out of the area didn't understand that this little town that's butting up to this national park is so gross. All they know is that the trees are spectacular and it sounds like it's the perfect option. So a lot of people would catch up with me through the, my website and would not even visit their venue until the day they got married or the night before when they landed in town. And one such example, this family out of LA was getting married and they actually chose the, um, the event to be held at this little I don't even know how to explain it. There's nothing normal there. When they say motel, we're talking like Clint Eastwood style pull up and your car's parked right next to the door and you can see six people out smoking cigarettes and, you know, everyone's wearing a bandana. It's that kind of a place. So I these were kind of like vacation cottages, but they were actual really cheap houses with T-111 siding and weird flat roofs and composite shingles, you know, nothing special and just a bunch of dead grass, two feet tall. But the, the crowning glory was the trees all around and it really was the closest thing. So they were smart. They capitalized on their location big time. And you know how you could take a picture of something and it seems really amazing on an Instagram style photo shoot with all the editing that we'd get to do and all the filters. I think they must've done that. So anyway, on this particular occasion, I, I ended up doing a lot of work in that particular space because for some reason, people from out of the area, they weren't following up with reviews later on on TripAdvisor for people to steer clear of it if they wanted a beautiful day. On this particular event, there were, um, 
there was a crowd of medieval style um, bride and groom. They, they showed up and all the groomsmen were wearing um, Knights of the Round Table, those white tunics with the red cross on it. And these plastic swords, they're running around. These are grown men. They're like 50-year-old <laughs> grown men wearing, wearing night outfits. And so they set up this tent, this open-air tent. And they had big rugs of um, furs and all this laying all over. They did a pretty decent job of trying to set the scene with the, you know, right in the backyard of these slapped-together, low-income-looking houses that they were renting. It was kind of odd on a, on a little lane that was paved and it was just out in the middle of nowhere. There were no trees anywhere, mind you. That's the whole point I'm trying to make. They're trying to get married to Rabbit National Park, but they missed, they missed the lane or something. So instead they got married in this gross little neighborhood. And I'm telling you what, I go to set up the, the buffet, which is all medieval food. And they're, they're jousting with pretend clothes on and there's no horses it's just a really interesting setup there so you know i thought they were having a blast so it's like i don't know somewhere between 20 and 50 people i can't remember anymore and uh <laughs> so i'm making my way across the lawn and i realized that there the wild roosevelt elk herd is right there and i'm telling you they are violent creatures they're pissed they don't like humans taking their pictures and they walk across the highway and they stop wherever they feel like it and i had a, a gmc denali and it i'm telling you what that elk was towering it, he came right up and it was four-wheel drive too and that thing if it came right up to the car was towering you couldn't see the antlers they were up above the car that's how big these creatures are so they're landing piles of elk poop all over this dead brown matted grassy area where they put this tent down and they're going to have this amazing wedding supposedly so i've just now tried to figure out a way on this very day to kind of red flag all these piles of poop which are also huge you know they're like cow patty size or bigger and um, so we got to bob and weave through those. Can't really tell because the grass is the same color and it's tall where it's not matted down. So I'm bobbing and weaving through this path. Finally got a path carved out that's pretty safe. And of course, the elk are lingering about. And I'm telling people, you don't understand. I know you're not from around here. They're not cuddly creatures. They want to gore you to death. I hope you can understand that you need to stay away from these big giant behemoths animals and the that's just the females don't even get me started in that time of year when the rut is happening and the males are all aggressive and trying to be the one and the big daddy on campus and all of that so they're getting to that point where they're starting to flare their nostrils and pee on their faces and all these weird things that elk do so i'm minding my own business very carefully dodging these these cow patties elk patties everywhere in the grass setting up the buffet and that's that's my thing i like making sure it looks beautiful no matter what they're eating i want the presentation to be stellar and i want them to remember and i want them to feel like they were important that day because it's their big day and they spent a lot of effort and money to be there with all their friends and pampering their friends and giving them this experience and in their mind's eye when they're planning this whole thing for up to two years in advance 
they're imagining that they really are in medieval times and they're really into it. So the food is matching the, the decor and the outfits. They went all out. And so I'm walking back after this and it's a long trek, mind you. I'm walking, gosh, probably a round trip. Each load was an eighth of a mile. I don't know how many feet that is, but it wasn't a quarter mile round trip. It was less than that, but it still was a lot with, bobbing and weaving and potholes and cow poop and I mean elk poop, sorry, and heavy, hot pans, you know, all that. And of course we can't take our car right up to it because that would be uncouth. So we're schlepping from the back of this deck where there's a, one of the little houses we could work out of in this little Vacasa style rental kitchen with a half sink and a dishwasher non-existent in a coil top electric stove with two burners, you know, it's that whole kind of setup and it's one little tiny counter. So we finally got smart to that. We just always brought a 10 by 10 pop-up tent, industrial size grade and um, our own folding tables and our own propane equipment and our own tarps for keeping the ground away from the food, you know, all the things, the walls on the tent had screens so that it kept the bugs out it was this whole big process and man, was I proud of it. It was so cool. Bleached the tent walls every single weekend. It was just really something to behold. And then we found these things called quick covers with a K and they were genius. They were like a shower cap for tabletops and you just pop it right on there with elastic around it. And you'd look so good. You could pick any color. I always pick black. It's just my thing. And I'll tell you what, if we didn't look so professional when we were out doing our thing, it makes me miss it. My feet don't miss it, but I sure do. So I'm going back and forth with this quarter eighth of a mile round trip, dodging elk patties and tall grass ruts and holes in the ground and yellow jackets are starting to hit the kitchen area that we've set up, of course. And so, you know, got to watch out for that too, because they'll follow you and they really don't mind eating more of your arm than you want them to. And <clears throat> one of the guys who was wearing a tunic, was, I guess, feeling his oats or something because on my turnaround head back to the kitchen, he smacked my ass with his um, sword. And, you know, I'm telling you what, I am 55 and there's some conditioning in my backstory where women are treated like property. And I let that slide at that time. Now it's different. Of course, I would never put up with that now. But at the time, all I could think was, wow, what a piece of shit. What a rotten person to do that to me while I'm busy. And how dare he think that's okay. But I didn't do anything. I just went back to the kitchen and I told everybody in the kitchen, I'm like, watch out for that one. He's a live wire. And my husband at the time, God rest his soul, he looked at me and he started having a fit. And that was kind of his thing. I didn't realize that he had bipolar disorder, but he went right from Mr. Sweet, um, customer ass kisser to what the hell are you letting him get away with that for? Why didn't you clobber him on the spot? And he just started frothing at the mouth with rage. He was so upset. And so I had to spend the rest of my day calming him down because, you know, that's how that goes. And I realized, you know, he was right. And I also realized that I'm a professional and there are times when toxic positivity rules the roost. And that was one of those days where I was very proud of myself for maintaining my composure I didn't even miss a step when he whacked me. I just kept right on walking like nothing happened. 
And that is where the toxic positivity lies. My mom always said, the boys like you when they throw the rocks at you. When they hurt you, that means they like you. Well, that's bullshit. I'm just here to say that is not even cool. It doesn't have to be like that. And if you really are in that same category where you think you got to be mean to a woman to get her to like you or have your feelings expressed, grow up, please just grow up. So now all of a sudden I got the guy whacking my ass and I got the man in the kitchen who's having a fit. And I'm the one who's stuck in the middle because I'm the one who chose diplomacy so that I didn't ruin the, the bride's big day by making a scene that one of her groomsmen was inappropriate. So the lesson I learned that day was twofold. I mentioned it before and I'll, I'll keep mentioning it over and over again. Toxic positivity has a way of like brainwashing you. And you just don't know sometimes when you're in the moment, which part's going to emerge, what response you're going to take. And I am grateful that I've got the kind of class that means that I didn't turn around and clobber him or scream and shriek and call out all kinds of nasty names for him. And, you know, people call that sexual harassment nowadays. You don't do that. You just don't, you don't walk up to somebody you don't know and that you're not with and, and whack them on the ass with a sword. I'm just here to tell you, don't do it. It's not cool. So the day went off beautifully. Everything was great. And another weekend we were at the same spot, but we we're on the other side of this little strip of five or six little rental houses on the other side of the lane. And this crowd showed up in Vegas style sequin gowns, just gorgeous stiletto heels and absolutely stunning, just beautifully dressed to the nines, body conscious dresses, very classy, elegant, beautiful crowd of people. And they were in tears. They walked in and they were like, oh no, this is not what they suggested this place would be like. I can't even believe this. How are we going to pull this off? And everybody was already there. They were renting all the little houses as well. So they'd already seen it all. The whole wedding party was just so upset. And I said, well, why don't you just change the time? You've got this plan for like two in the afternoon. But since everybody's already here anyway, you guys just go back and take a nap. And then around sunset, why don't you go do your nuptials and just enjoy that moment. And then I'll have the twinkly light set up for you. So that when you come back, it'll be invisible. <laughs> it'll just be a beautiful um, twinkle, twinkly light dinner. It'll be beautiful. Trust me. Just trust me. And why didn't you tell me this sooner? <laughs> and so it worked. It was a beautiful thing. I really love um, how willing people are to lean on the caterer in a time of need. It had nothing to do with the decor. I was there to do their food, right? But I'll tell you what, if you give me a chance in advance, I can tell you don't go to that menu because it's not what you think it is. And that's what happens when you're in food service. You have the answers. You know what is supposed to be going on because that's your livelihood. So, you know, I know you've got stories just like that too. I'm trying to think there was another time when we were at that same spot. And um, it just was over and over again, crestfallen faces when they'd land. It was like they'd land in the airport that was a half hour away. And then start driving north and they'd see these spectacular redwoods right on the long side of the highway. And then you come around this corner and it's like this rundown, never made it out of the timber time, um, leftover people who are all on meth. All of them are toothless wonders. All of them are angry at the world. All of them are like 
killing each other's pets for food. It's just a weird place. I'm telling you, there's banjos everywhere. And when people from the rest of the world come in, even the people who live in the hills around there avoid that town. It's just that weird. And one day I was reading Sunset Magazine and they highlighted a little um, burger shack that you see on when you drive by the, on the highway. They highlighted it saying it was really good food. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, you guys are hard up for content. Please, please just stay away from Auric. It needs to be left alone so it can come back on its own. Let nature take it over or whatever has to happen. But I'm telling you, please go to your venue before your big day. Don't wait till the night before. And don't make it so traumatic for your guests that they have to get so drunk at 2 o'clock in the afternoon that they're smacking people on the ass with swords and play swords and uh, wearing white tunics with red crosses to indicate that they're actually chivalrous. Isn't that a little bit ironic? The chivalry was definitely dead that day. Hope you're having a good one. I know I sure am. Another shit shoe story happened up in a little town called Neeland. It sits above Humboldt State University, which is now Cal Poly in Northern California, Humboldt County. And it's a neighborhood where you're up on this mountain above the, this, the city and the community that where you get your groceries and whatnot. And it's a neighborhood where it goes on for miles. And you've got one house that's a $3 million estate or a cabin like that. And then right next door to it is a meth lab. And it's a little old, nasty, weird, handmade kind of a structure. Usually maybe from the 60s, kind of flat roof and straight just plywood painted and it's weird so anyway they're right next to each other it's a complicated neighborhood but the main thing that holds true there is people get to do what they want and they get to do it with some privacy so that that's the kind of people who live up there either um, millionaires who want some privacy away from the masses or people who are making meth and they want privacy for other reasons so we did a tour or no, I'm sorry, we did a tasting without a tour for this beautiful couple that lived up in Neyland. And they were so excited because they were going to have their house all finished before their wedding. They're going to have an outdoor backyard party wedding. And so <clears throat> they were in the Redwoods and they were really excited. They had a big old plant. So it wasn't convenient for us to get up there and tour the place. And they assured us that didn't matter because we were going to be cooking outside. We had a commercial kitchen. They wanted a double taco bar and um, with all the trimmings, all the sides, <clears throat> elote and calabacitas and beans and rice and every kind of taco filling you can imagine, empanadas, bacon-wrapped jalapenos. Um, I can't remember what, oh, ceviche. Just, you know, the regular routine for a, a Mexican food wedding. And so, oh, and I think we may even had enchiladas. I don't remember. But anyway, we had at least four fillings for the taco bar in addition to all the other toppers that go with that. We had fish, chicken, carnisada, carnitas. Oh, and we also had um, this lentil crumble that we did for vegans and vegetarians that turned out pretty good. We got it from Thug Kitchen. It's a great book. Got to read it. So anyway... We did not do a, a pre 
tour, which I'm trying to emphasize for a reason here. Don't ever let that happen. Always go ahead of time to see what you're going to be facing. <clears throat> so we get there the day of, and the directions are kind of clear. GPS doesn't work in that region because it's way up on a mountain. And we pull up with our big brig and our trailer and the whole nine yards to facilitate this backyard wedding. And they had, I don't know, 150 people maybe. So we get out and the first thing I see is, wow, the yard didn't get done. There's no landscaping. It's dirt. It's totally uneven on a hill. There are tree roots sticking out, holes in the ground. The smell of dog poop is prevalent. They had big dogs, big, big, big pit bully type dogs, three or four of them running around. Wild, mangy, crazy mess. And the thing that was the most confusing to me was they put their old carpet out in the backyard, rolls of carpet that went in their house. <sighs> they just put it on the ground and let nature kind of cover it up a little bit, but it really wasn't working. So that was there too. And there, there was no beautiful landscaping. There just wasn't. It was really gross. And we had to walk through all this stinky, weird old carpet and then we also had to dodge all this dog poop. What is it with the people and the dog poop? I'm telling you what, they did not clean it up in their own yard. They knew for a year and a half that we were going to be coming and that all their friends were going to be coming. And they didn't bother to isolate the dogs for the last week or whatever had to happen to make sure that backyard was safe for food people to be tripping back and forth. They also promised to have a kitchen. So we got there. They were having the ceremony right where they wanted us to pull our vehicle through. And it was like, okay, wow, this is what we're headed for. So we had to figure out how to direct them to hold up till we got through or something else. That was red flag number two. So I'm starting to set up the tables. We needed eight tables, eight, six foot folding tables and linens and whatnot, you know, all that for this buffet. And we also needed to have all kinds of room in the kitchen. So I come back and check and see how the, the people are warming stuff up in the kitchen. Not, that wasn't my area of, of uh, focus at that time. So they had taken their stuff in there and they were heating up the beans and the rice and stuff that we had made in our commercial kitchen so that we could just warm it and then get it out on the shaping pans at the buffet that I was building outside. And mind you, it's a double buffet. So we got to do everything twice. Everything has to be just as beautiful on the one side as it is on the other. And what my um, signature had become was this roasted vegetable cascade, I guess you could say. I had all these beautiful raw edge um, planks and um, slabs of redwood and cedar and all this really beautiful wood and I would have it tearing with like four layers and then I would have half a pound of vegetables eight or nine different types every time um, per person eight a half pound per person displayed and it was just people loved it so they would hire me just for that and then the food of course was the other food was also yummy so I needed room for all of that to happen and it was a room temp kind of situation. So I would build that first and then cover it so that flies couldn't get on it and move on my way to the other stuff. 
And I came back in the kitchen and the kitchen was a kitchenette and it was filthy and the dogs were in the house and it was a kitchenette. Like when you go to a hotel and you've got a kitchen counter with a little sink in it, that's what was going on. It was like an RV sink. It wasn't even full depth, one sink. And they had all kinds of food, half gone mayonnaise jars, jam, peanut butter, lunch meat, half bags of cheap white bread laying on, you know, everything was full from the morning. They hadn't even cleaned up and their fridge was packed to the nines. So we couldn't even put the ceviche in the fridge like we had promised, they had promised that we could. So we were working out of coolers and nothing but coolers the whole afternoon and evening in that setting. And there was a beanbag, I forgot that part, a big fat beanbag right in the walkway toward this kitchenette. And the couches and everything were crammed in there. The whole house must have been probably 500 square feet. And um, the kitchen counters were probably three feet long with a sink in the middle. And you can just imagine what that was like. So all of a sudden, my double buffet is short a couple tables because they need to have folding tables, obviously, to prepare the food in that tiny kitchen. So, <laughs> and don't forget the smell of all the dog poop. So once again, we made it work. We put the, we, we bossed them around a little bit about where the food was going to go as far away from pos as possible from the stench. And then got ourselves in the corner, made that happen, got everything ready, served on time and had a beautiful time. It was great. But I'll tell you what, you just never know why or when or how these shit stories are going to happen. It's just a shocker. Here it is a wedding. These people were amazing. When we met them at our house for the tasting session, they were educated and, and kind and loved the food and they were beautiful and they were normal. And you would have never thought in a million years that that would be where their wedding would be held. And I felt so bad for the bride and groom because they were so disappointed with how it turned out. But as far as the yard goes and all that, the food was fantastic. Everybody was thrilled. Oh, and we still have, we had these beautiful big drink urns with, um, I used to love suspending long branches of cilantro with the flower head on it. Cause I grew all my herbs and stuff in the, on the property that I had. So I could make these beautiful, um, spa waters with fresh fruit floating and just always a sprig of some beautiful herbal branch, whether it was, you know, rosemary and orange is really good together. You just got to use a tiny bit of rosemary so it doesn't get too strong. But we had a beautiful time once we got past the dog shit. There you go. There you go again with the dog shit. Huh, I think it's time for me to take a break. Have a good one.